Thank you, Brother Brandon. Open your Bibles, please, the book of Ecclesiastes today. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Thank you, Brandon. That song says it all, don't it? Give me Jesus. It sounds sort of like one of those black uh, Negro spirituals we used to sing years ago. may not be, but it has a lot of that wording to it. Give me Jesus. Let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God, Ecclesiastes chapter 12 in the Old Testament. And reading verse 13 and 14. Verse 13, wise man speaking, the book of Ecclesiastes, learned a lot of things, a lot of truths as he go through the 12 chapters of Solomon, his writings of how he found there was vanity and vanity and vexation to the soul. A lot of troubles and trials when you live under the sun, which means on the earth, and you don't live beyond the sun, which is in heaven. But he finally said these words, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Underscore the word duty, if you would, please. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be bad. Let's turn back while you're standing to the book of Luke, chapter 17 and verse 10. Read one verse there, please, if we would. Matthew, Mark, Luke. 17th chapter and the 10th verse. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all these things which are commanded you, say, we are an unprofitable servants. We have done all that we have done done that which was our duty to do. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. New Testament, you've done all you know to do. You've just done your duty, done our duty to do. I want to talk on the word duty today, the Lord willing, so you pray for me, that God will give me the strength to speak and say what needs to be said. Father. Thank you for the good song. Thank you for the good spirit. Thank you for the privilege of being in church again today. Thank you for just the love of God that she brought in our hearts. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for an empty tomb. Thank you for the celebration of the birth of Christ in just a few days. Uh, always grateful to God for coming in the flesh and coming to save us from our sins, and we're thankful for that. So I trust you bless the service, bless the message. May your will be accomplished in every life, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. If there's one single thought I want you to take home today, it's found in the text. It's the word duty. So if you would please say it with me, please. Duty. Say it again. Duty. I hope when you go to bed tonight you'll see my face and duty, duty, duty. It'd give you a not, probably a nightmare time you get through that entirety of that. We don't need to have great intelligence, even though that's fine to have. You don't have to have great riches, that's fine to have. But the greatest thing in the world is to have duty. Very simple. God's not complicated. Sometimes we make the Bible complicated. There's some deep truths that are there, without a, without a doubt. And some things we may never understand. But most of it's pretty simple. And here the whole duty of man is to fear God and to keep His commandments. When I've done everything there is to do in this Christian life, I just simply have done my duty. 
And I want to drive that into my own soul again afresh, and I hope in yours as well. So I want you to hold the word duty in your hand. I want you to examine it for just a few moments. I want you to focus on it. I want you to apply it to your life as I want to apply it to my life. Years ago, I joined the Boy Scouts when I was a young man. I went through, I think, what they call the tender, uh, tender, what's the first one? Tenderfoot. Tenderfoot. Tenderfoot, yeah, I couldn't think of the word foot. Tenderhand, uh, tenderfoot. So I went through the tenderfoot uh, part of it, but I know they had a motto, be prepared, uh, do your own, do your duty. On my honor, I'll do my duty unto God. And everything they're supposed to do was be prepared to help folks, to serve folks, to be what they ought to be in this life. Have one life to live to soon be passed. Many of us are going down the stages of time and it won't be long until we'll reach our destination. I was thinking of our good friend Clarence Sexton, uh, who's in the hospital for three months, and yet they have not found out what's wrong with him. Keep praying for the pastor of Temple Baptist Church in Powell, Tennessee, president of Crown College, that God's will can be accomplished in his life. I looked over here a while ago. I miss Tommy. When I think about Tommy, Tommy's a miracle, walking miracle. He's not here today to keep praying for him, that God's healing hand will be upon his life and give him a few more years to be with us. Amen? Amen. And uh, we can learn a lot about God through Tommy. You can learn a lot about Barney Fife through Tommy. So just be around him is a blessing sometime. But people are on the journey of life. It's a point under man wants to die. After that, the judgment. And God gives us some instructions as we go through. So if we focus on it and apply it to our life, what should it be? There's some folks in this room who used to enjoy serving the Lord. And I say used to enjoy serving the Lord because if you're not careful, you'll find yourself waning. And the Bible says in, in, in about the church in Laodicea, they let, Ephesus, they left their first love. They didn't lose their love. They left it. And they walked away from their first love. It's so important to fall in love with Jesus Christ. And you do that usually at salvation. You hear about Him. You know about Him. You've heard the gospel message to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and to trust Him as your Savior. And you've heard that. And then you make that decision for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life is to choose Jesus to be your Savior. And Jesus is enough. Amen? I mean, He is enough. He comes to dwell on the inside of our bodies in the person, the present of the Holy Spirit of a holy God. And so He's there and we fall in love with Him. Uh, many of, I remember the first time that I witnessed after I got saved. I was a kid, nine years of age. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Went back to school and the teacher always had a habit. She'd say, did anything exciting happen to you all over the weekend? Raise your hand or stand to your feet and tear it with us before we start class. And so several folks stood up, and I was always sort of shy and timid. But I raised my hand, and she said, James, what do you want to say? And I stood up on my feet the best I knew how. I wasn't trying to be smart aleck. I wasn't trying to be full of pride. I just slipped to my hand and said, I'm glad I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and I want the rest of the class to know. I mentioned here a while back about that Sunday school teacher, that school teacher rather, that I had in public school, I said probably about a month ago, uh, the joy I had when she came to hear me preach. She sat back on the right-hand side and listened to the students she had. And probably I didn't have good English. I probably didn't have polished communication. I'm not sure what I had. But she came and she said, on the way, I, you did such a wonderful job. I wish you had said that in second grade. <laughs> you did such a wonderful job. But I'm thankful that salvation's real, and I want to tell somebody, and you want to tell somebody about it. I hope you do. And sometimes after you get saved, you want to tell somebody, or if you don't do anything else, you invite them to church. You want folks to be with you. It's just an exciting adventure. Don't let that, don't let that 
fire uh, flicker out. It can happen so easily in folks' love. We're supposed to be witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And once we had a burden, but that burden sort of lifted. Let me ask you a question. You have a burden for anybody? Is there anybody on your heart today you pray for? If you pray for somebody yesterday or even today, if you have not prayed for somebody in about a week, there's something wrong with your love life and mine too. Because I believe we ought to constantly be here for a purpose. God didn't save us just to sit. He called us to serve. God put His Holy Spirit in us to help us to be witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we might be witnesses by, <coughs> by our life and by our lips. And thank God that, that God can use old sinners like us being redeemed by the blood of the Lord. I realize we're not perfect. I realize we're not going to be perfect until we get to heaven. But there is that realization that God has left us here for a purpose. You've heard me say many, many times, if you get saved, get baptized, take a ball bat, hit you in the head, and send you on to glory. If you're just going to sit down and do nothing, but if you're going to serve God, stick around. God's got a job for you. God's got something He wants you to do. There's something better than going to heaven. I want to go with the grace of God, and by the grace of God I shall go. And I'm grateful for that wonderful truth. When the road is called up yonder, I'm going to be there. And you should be too if you're saved. But the fact is, it's one thing better than going to heaven is taking somebody with you. It's being able to witness somebody and hear them say, I want to trust Christ as my Savior. You may just by your life and by your lips, but it's all important to be involved in the work of God. When you get saved, sometimes the first thing you do is buy a Bible or get you a Bible. How many got you a Bible when you got saved? Raise your hand. Several of you. Uh, we've had folks re regularly. Uh, they want a Bible. They want a Bible they can read. And Bible, what Bible should we read? And there's all kinds of versions out there. So we try to recommend them to the best Bible on the market, which is the only Bible on the market. And that's the King James Bible. And as they read that, they can understand it. It's on the written on a sixth grade level, they say, maybe a fifth grade level, of the entirety of the Bible. And so it is, they read the Bible. And something about reading the Bible, this right here is a love letter from heaven. It is God's eternal word, and God breathed it. And when he breathed the words, it was written by 40 different authors over 1,500, 1,600 years. And they wrote it down exactly as God wanted it written. And he said, I love you, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We read the Bible. I remember Morris Tyree got saved, lived over here in a little apartment after he got saved. On my door, every week he'd knock. And these are his words. He said, Preacher, are you busy? No, I'm in here sleeping. I said, come on in. He said, i got a question. And he'd ask me a Bible question, something that he was trying to seek the answer to. I maybe not, but never, maybe didn't give all the best answers in the world, but regularly. Yes, who is it? You busy, preacher? I don't do anything except sleep and eat. But he was there, and I'm sort of glad for the interruption, all right? He wanted to learn some Bible truths. And I believe all of us ought to have a hunger for the Word of God and all God's people. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled, and righteousness means right living. How am I going to live right if I don't read the Bible? And how are we going to know that God loves us? No, nothing better, nothing more than reading the Word of God and find out what God has to say to all of us. So no longer does it tingle like it used to. Uh, dust collects on the Bible. And sometimes we find ourselves sort of laying it aside for other things. How sad that is. How sad that is. 
This is the greatest book that's ever been written. It's been written by God himself. This is a holy Bible, and everybody ought to have one. And thank God that we have them in America. Many folks plead for a Bible in other countries. They would love to have not only a Bible, just a page of a Bible. And sometimes when they get a page of a Bible, they will read it over and over again. Then they'll pass it to the next person. And they'll read it over and over again. Why? Because they love the Bible. And when you love somebody, you like to hear from them. I mean, if somebody loves you, then you get a love letter in the mail. I just want to tell you I love you. Or you wrote a message to somebody and say, I love you. You want them to know when God wrote us a book so we can carry it with us, we can have it with us, that he loves us and that we are to love him in return. And by God's grace, help us to be that way. It no longer tingle. Rather, you'd rather read the sports section of the newspaper than you would the Bible. Let's choose today. I don't know if there's... Did you still have newspapers? Internet, sports section, or God's holy word? Which is the choice? Which one do you look at first in the morning? Somebody said they look at the comic strip the first thing to get a chuckle, get a chuckle out of life. And they may read the sports section from almost page to page what's going on. But then at the same time, the Bible lays over there and it's crying to you. Read me, read me, read me, read me, read me. Don't let your Bible gather dust. Don't let it become one of those objects of just like magic or something that God's going to do something for you. He will do something for you and he does do things for you, but he wants you to live right and do right. He wants me to do right and live right. There's no longer a tingle. Sometimes folks get drifting in church. They used to go to church regularly, but somewhere along the way, now providentially, sometimes folks get sick and incapacitated and can't come. But church ought to be a regular thing on your calendar. I remember Dr. Howe was talking about a lady who got saved at his church in Hammond, Indiana. And she says, what do I do next, preacher? He says, well, you need to get baptized. He says, okay, I'll do that. She, he says, and come to church every time the doors are open. She said, okay. Well, Dr. Howes arrived about 7 o'clock the next morning on Monday. And there she was standing at the door. The door wasn't even unlocked yet. And he says, yes, ma'am, how can I help you? She said, well, you told me to come to church every time the doors are open. When are you going to open the door? And he said, what a lovely illustration. He was thinking about Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and the regular services of church. She was thinking, I'm supposed to be at the door every time the door opens. Wouldn't that be a good heartbeat to have? That I want to be in the house of God. There's something about the house of God that I can't explain to you. It's a mystery, the Bible says, of the church of the living God. It's how people who can get saved by the grace of God come together and have different uh, personalities. Did you know people in this room have different personalities? Do you know some folks have some terrible personalities? Did you know some folks have some wonderful personalities? Do you know some of the, those who have worse personalities sometimes be some of the best people in the world? Sometimes folks just have a, a disposition that doesn't look too happy. But as you go to church, you fellowship, it's just good to hug somebody. It's good to have somebody you can fellowship with. And sometimes before church, after church, just fellowshipping with people goes a long way. You couldn't get enough of that. You wanted to be in church and uh, you wanted to enjoy the fellowship. Uh, you used to prayer, learning how to pray. A uh, lady years ago in our church, uh, she called on her to pray one time. She never prayed publicly in church, and I don't usually call on women to pray publicly. But number one, because her voice is not loud enough. And number two, I try to have you know male emphasis in the church about a man leadership. But anyhow, I called on her to dismiss. Fred would know her, Miss Judy would know her, Miss Bessie Hamby. That was her name. She had never prayed publicly in her life. When I said those words, it scared the daylights out of her. She had her keys in her hand, and she kept hitting them against the pew. 
ringing. Now, excuse me what I'm about to say. It's not a cuss word, but I don't use the word. She, finally, she said it, so I'll go ahead and quote her, okay? She said, Dag blast that Lord, you know what I mean. She couldn't get nothing out of her mouth. She was scared to death. Now, I'm not going to scare you to death and call on you to pray today, uh, you know, unless, unless the Lord leads that way and you feel that you could do it. And sometimes the sweetest prayers come from new converts. Uh, Brother Roy, he came by my office, prayed for me again today, as he does regularly. Uh, first thing he said, Preacher, get in the office. i got to pray for you. <laughs> and I'm in there, and Roy's praying. And then I heard him, I went down the hall, I heard him praying for somebody else. Well, it's good to have somebody praying for you. It's good to have somebody praying with you. It's also good for you to pray with somebody and pray to God, especially. Well, what is a prayer? It's a sincere desire of the heart, just telling God how you feel on the inside. And sometimes prayers... After a while, they just bounce off the ceiling. You don't seem to make any contact with God. It's just sort of a lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. We get sort of used to praying and just sort of get tired of praying. It's like a little boy knelt beside his bed and he took a pencil and wrote all of the prayers down. The things he's going to ask God. Took a thumbtack and stuck it to the end of the bed, the best bedpost, and said, "Now, Lord, you read it for yourself. I'm tired." <laughs> Maybe how we are sometimes too tired to pray. That's the time to pray. Sometimes you don't feel like praying, that's the time to pray. Just keep your communication with God. And prayer is simply talking to God. It's all it is. And there's dialogue. He talks to us through the Bible and all God's people say. We talk to Him through prayer. That's the communication that God chose in the book of Genesis. And they begin to call upon God in prayer. First time it's mentioned in the Bible in the book of Genesis. They begin to call upon God in prayer and pray. And God is ordained and emphasized throughout the Bible. Men ought always to pray. Uh, don't, don't, uh, don't faint. Just pray. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. You don't want to stay in the battle. It's your duty to pray. Sometimes you don't feel like you're doing much. Sometimes you feel like they may be not reaching above the ceiling. You just keep on praying. You keep on talking. You keep on asking. And sometimes serving God becomes a sort of a something you don't want to do. Uh, that means... Can remember the first song you ever sung publicly in church? Remember anybody? Remember the first song you remember singing, Miss Judy? What you know what was? Beautiful Land. Land. You want to sing it right now? Okay. <laughs> Beautiful Land. First song she ever sung. She sings regularly at our church, and she comes up with usually no paper, no nothing in her hand except her memory. Now, when she has a memory loss, she's gonna have a real good time working on those songs. But she can do it regularly, and I get sort of envious. Somebody can do it by memory, and uh, my memory's not what it used to be, and maybe it'll never be what it used to be. Uh, but my wife doesn't want me singing too much in the platform anyhow. She got me up during revival. I was singing, trying to do the best I could for the Lord, and my wife looked over at me. I could see that look. The choir's trying to sing, and I'm I'm off tune. So we're getting home. I have I have a lecture for my wife, honey. Please. Help us in the choir. And I want to sing that old song we used to sing years ago. One old man can't be all that bad. Let me sing in the choir. Let me sing in the choir. But I know that's not where my ability lies. And sometimes uh, you can sing for the glory of God and still not be in the choir. But I remember the first time I preached a sermon. Remember the first time I tried to sing publicly. Remember the first time. And over these years, God just has been more rich and real to our lives. How Great Thou Art is a great song we open up with today and how we can magnify Him and love Him. 
but just learning how sometimes to, to whistle as you work and you had a tune in your life and something great about the things of God. So listen, listen, listen very carefully. Stop, look, and listen. Here's where we go separate, sometimes our separate ways. From those that go on to maturity to those that go on serving God, those that go week in and week out and year in and year out, it's not always a thrill. It's not always a chill. It's not always something that makes goosebumps go up and down your back. It's just your duty. You do your duty. I mentioned Dr. Jack Howes a while ago. He's been a great inspiration in my own life over the years. He was raised by a single mom. Her daddy was a drunk. And as far as we know, he might have died, died, died lost. But Jack Howes had an opportunity to preach to his daddy before he died, before, the, before his dad died. But they found him drunk on the streets of Dallas. And that's the last time he saw his daddy. Uh, when he finally saw him again, didn't see him very often. But his mother would, took the role of teacher, and she said, Jack, she said, eat your okra. He says, I don't like okra. She said, I'm telling you, you're going to eat your okra. If you're going to sit at this table, I want you to eat your, your okra. Mama, I don't like okra. She said, please eat your okra. I'm gonna, you're going to eat the okra. You're going to sit here to eat the okra. you got to eat the okra. So he ate the okra, and he said, you know, it wasn't too bad. And before long, I developed a taste for okra. He says, I got older, I can eat okra. Boiled, fried, steamed, it don't matter. I just love okra. He said, if you put me in a situation with a T-bone steak and a baked potato and okra over here, boiled okra, it'll look like ball bearings in it. If, if you put that over on one side and put a T-bone steak on the other side with baked potato and all the things that go with that, I would choose both of them. <laughs> and I agree with that but there's something about just saying Lord I don't want to go backwards I want to go forward I want to learn how and how did he learn to eat enjoy okra his duty it's your duty to eat your screens eat your food eat your food and sometimes we take for granted the simple things of life but God just wants you to be faithful read the word of God when you don't feel like reading the word of God sometimes we can't because we're oh so sick but just read it the best you can. It's not a matter of how many chapters you read. It's how many chapters read you, how many verses read you. You can read one verse or you can read a whole chapter. Or you can read the whole Bible in a period of time. But the fact is, we need to read the Bible. We need to stay with it. Give our life to service. Say, Lord, here's my life. Let it be completely consecrated to thee. Spiritual maturity. We don't want to backslide. I've been around church a long time, 57 years, preaching 52 years here. And I've seen folks come. I've seen folks go. Why do some stick and some don't stick? It's right here what I'm talking about. You just do your duty. Sometimes you come to church and just flat wore out. Let me confess to you, I am flat wore out right now. And because of that, I don't have much wind. And because of that, the sermon won't be long. You say amen right there. <laughs> Friday night I fell back in the back during the staff social. I said I wanted to make a big impression, and I did. <laughs> and uh, I'm sore from here all the way down. I told Willie last night at prayer meeting, I said, if I squinch that way, you cover up for me. Or I may just go like this and say, you come and help me. But it hurts. And I'm not saying that braggadociously. But you can go when you hurt sometimes, when you don't feel like it. Just, you just go the best you can. There's sometimes you can't go, and I understand that. I've been there, done that, got a T-shirt. And you understand that, and all of us do. And sometimes you can't do what you want to do, but as much as possible, do what you can for the cause of Christ and for the glory of God. 
many of our folks around the world suffer every day of their life. They don't have three meals a day to eat. Uh, Brother June has been off with electricity. We're trying to send him some money. Uh, our missionary in the Philippines has been without electricity for the last several days in their life. Years ago, we bought them a piano because they didn't have a piano. They had a, when the electricity went out, their music went out. And we helped them purchase a piano years ago there at their church in the Philippines. But the fact is, there's got to be some time we just keep serving God regardless. Apostle Paul, uh, who was the great missionary to the Gentiles, just as a man who went through beatings and strife, and they, beat, they put him in prison. Uh, he suffered greatly for the cause of Christ. He said, I bury my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. He said, I realize my life is not my own, and my life is His, and who I am, I am by the grace of God. Whatever He wants me to do, I will do it. By God's grace, I will do it. Whatever God's grace wants you to do. Darlene, Michelle, God bless you for what you did this last few days in helping somebody in their life and their addictions. Just going out of their way. And they may be tired today, I'm not sure. The long trip they took to help somebody. I'm grateful for that. And I think all of us ought to be grateful. We can't do everything, but we can do something. By God's grace, we can do some things. And whatever God lays on your heart to do, God leads you in that direction. Find out how to do it and where to do it and what should I do and learn to be faithful to God. Just fill a pew. There's nothing wrong with filling a pew. Sometimes funny somebody says, Preacher, I was there in spirit. I don't like preaching to spirits. I like preaching to people, body, flesh. Amen. And every once in a while you want to look at my eyeball to eyeball and say, you better get your life straightened out. You understand? You ever seen somebody preaching and the finger comes right at you? Sometimes the preacher go around like this. And then out in the hall, you just talking right to me, weren't you? Looking right at me. Well, if you say so, God directed the finger. I didn't. Angel, I got you. <laughs> but I didn't have you in mind. But whatever it is, there it is. Big old long finger sticking out at you. You better thank God for pre- preachers. You got long fingers and got a compassion and a burden to preach the word of God and stay faithful to the Lord over the years and say, by God's grace, the only way we can live is by the grace, the marvelous grace of Almighty God who reached down and saved us from our sins and placed the Holy Ghost on the inside to enable us and to equip us that we can be more than faithful. We can be more than conquerors through the Lord Jesus Christ if God just helps us to go along the way. And He does. I fought a good fight, kept the faith, finished the course. Henceforth, there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me. And not for me only, but for all those who love His appearing. Rescue the perishing. Duty demands it. That's what the songwriter said. Strength for thy labor the Lord will provide. Back to the narrow way. Patiently win them. Tell the poor wanderer the Savior has died. Number one, duty demands it. And I give this and I close. Duty demands us to live the Christian life. Did Jesus suffer on the cross? And the answer is yes. Did He suffer like nobody else ever suffered? And the answer is yes. He had five different wounds in His body. The five physical wounds that you could inflict on somebody's body, Jesus had every one of them from the piercing, from the laceration, uh, from the beating, the bruises, etc. There's five of them that we have in our uh, science books. Five wounds. He had all five of them. A bloody mass of humanity was from the top of his head, the sole of his feet, the crown of thorns pierced on his head until the blood was flowing down his face. They pulled out his beard by the chunks, the blood oozing down his chin, and down his body, down his chest, coming from his hands, it came down his 
wrist and down his, toward his elbow. The blood come from his feet, from his head to his feet. He was a bloody mass of humanity. That Isaiah even implies that he didn't even, didn't even look like a man. He was beaten so bad. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? I was there. How was I there? He had me on his mind. He looked down through the quarters of time and through the ages of humanity and saw you and had your name on his mind when he went to the cross. Isaiah, or Genesis chapter 22. God put a test to the duty of Abraham. Abraham was a great man of God, the father of the Jewish nation, and a great man of God in his own right. We often talk about the father Abraham. To the Jews, that's a precious name, Father Abraham. God put him to the test, the greatest test he ever faced. He said, I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, the son that I promised you. I want you to take him up to Mount Moriah, and I want you to kill him, offer him as a sacrifice. I'm not here to try to understand all theology. I'm here to say God put him to a test. God knew what he was going to do. Abraham got his son Isaac. They got the wood, and they got the fire, and they headed for Mount Moriah with a host of other folks. They got to the foot of Mount Moriah. He said, you tarry here. My son, the lad, and I will go there to the top of Mount Moriah. When they got to the top of Mount Moriah, they had the wood. They had the fire. But Isaac said, Father, where is the sacrifice? And Abraham, who loved his son dearly, the, the son of his old age, the son of joy, the son that made him thrilled to be a daddy, and he said to Isaac, he said, God will provide himself a lamb. God will provide. He strapped his young son down to the altar. He pulled out the knife. I'm not sure what kind of look Isaac had on his face. I'm not sure what kind of look Abraham had on his face. Yet it had probably great sorrow. The tears streaming down his eyes as he got the sword or got the knife up here, bring it down to the heart of his own son. Isaac looked up. He was willing to give his own son, and all of a sudden an angel, stay thy hand. Stay thy hand. Do thy son no harm. Called in the thicket is a ram. God himself will provide. He always does. And he went over and got the ram, and he took the ram, put it on the altar for a sacrifice to God. And Isaac was not killed. You say, what's the whole illustration? God doesn't want you, he does not want your Isaacs as much as he wants you. It was a test of Abraham's faithfulness and his dedication. And he was willing to do something that hurt deeply because it was his duty to obey the God of heaven. The God of heaven called him. The God of heaven had supplied the need. The God of heaven was his God. He knew he was supposed to obey him. And when God told him to kill his own son, he was putting him to the greatest test he'd ever had in his life. Abraham probably had faith to believe if he killed him that God would resurrect him because he said, me and the lad, we're coming back. We're coming back. Abraham probably knew that God could resurrect him from the dead, but I'm going to tell you this. To kill your son, even if you knew he was going to be resurrected, would be one of the toughest chores you've ever done in your life. To place a, place a knife in the heart of your children while they scream and cringe and hurt and cry and tears come to their eyes and you're looking down at the bloody mass of humanity yourself. Isaac was a type of Christ in many ways. But oh, stay the hand. He provided a lamb. God always provides. Do thyself no harm. He told Saul of Tarshish, 
through Samuel, when Saul disobeyed him, he said to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. Just do your duty. My challenge as we start the new month, this month before the new year, is just make up your mind you're going to do your duty. You can't do everything that maybe the preacher may ask you to do or somebody else may ask you, but do what you can. Be faithful to the Lord. Just say, Lord, I'm going to do my duty. Whatever my duty is, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I do close. He said, but the whole duty of man, the whole duty of man is to fear God. That word fear is the word reverence God. It's not that I'm shaken in the presence of God today. It's that I reverence God. He said, for this is the whole duty of man. And every man is going to come before the judgment someday. Every individual is going to meet God face to face. You decide in this world where you're going to go to heaven or hell. You decide in this world if you're going to be dedicated or not dedicated. And you may lose your reward in heaven because you were not faithful to the Lord. You go to heaven, but you lose your reward. You say, well, preacher, as long as I go to heaven, that's what really matters. You miss the whole point. Serving the Lord is the greatest thrill in all the world. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Seeing it left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. I can't pay the debt, but He did. And I can thank Him with my life the best I can the rest of my life. And so can you. Be ye faithful unto death, and He will give you a crown of life. Thank God for the wonderful promises of the Lord.